everybody. Welcome to episode 84 of the Masterclass. I'm Cam Brennan, and I'm joined by Dave Hogue. Hello. How are you? I'm well. How are you? Oh, I'm okay. <laughs> you know, doing all right. I got a screaming baby at home, so I'm glad to be here. Yes. With you, and you're not screaming, which is very nice. Yes. Yes. I but, remember those days. And I'm sure one day soon I will remember them as well. And I'm looking forward to that. But uh, we're here. It's episode 84. We're back yet again. It's five days until Christmas. Are you excited? I can't believe it is only five days to Christmas. Yes. Yes. My my entire family, both sides, will be descending upon my humble abode to come see the grandbaby and niece and great. No. <laughs> What what is okay? My wife's aunt, so that would be like her great aunt. Her great great aunt. Oh boy, yeah. Anyways, I gotta get a chart for that sort of stuff. Um, But we're back, and we have decided that we're going to move on to Matthew twenty four, because frankly, it's been an entire week, and feel like we covered a lot of the end of chapter 23 of Matthew. If there is anything our listeners want us to go back and touch on or questions they have about uh, the end of Matthew 23 or thoughts on our discussion from it for the last two episodes, please get in touch and let us know because we would love to um, reference uh, that uh, in our next episode. Right? Absolutely. All right. Cool. And how can I get in touch, Dave? (laughs) Oh, don't do that to me. (laughs) What's your Twitter handle, Dave? I'll help you out. My Twitter handle is at 10-8-H-B-O-T-E-N, number 8-H-B-O. And you can get a hold of Cam at Cam Brennan. I'm so impressed. (laughs) And you can email us at hello at supermegacorp.com. Net. Oh, I'm so, wow, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> I'm like a proud papa, Dave. So, I just had to help you in the pool, and you swam to the deep end all by yourself. <laughs> it, it takes me a little bit, but, you know, I get there. Well, I mean, this is still a pretty new show, so. Yeah, I'm thinking no I'm going to change feeling. my Twitter. <gasps> and lose all of your followers, Dave? Yeah. Well, you don't lose them. Well, you, it just might be easier to find if you. You can change what your name is, but not the actual handle. Yeah, you can. What? Yeah, if you do it on the big computer. <laughs> on the big computer? Yeah, versus the oh my mobile gosh. phone. Oh, Lord have mercy, mobile. Here we go. You Seriously, you can just change it? Mm-hmm. Is there a, is there a follower limit? Because let's say, for example, my Twitter handle oh. is Jesus Loves You, and, and then, then you change I change it to, it to, like, Satan is the man, kill the babies. I think that's too long. Well, but my point is, like, that would be the ultimate bait and switch, would it not? Because then all sure. of a sudden, someone decent is following Satan, Satan. rules, kill all the babies. No, I Which think... is super dark, but I'm so sorry I said that and repeated it. I'm going to go wash my mouth out. <laughs> I, I don't know if there's a limit to how many followers. Because I, I, I only have 86 I know on followers. Facebook pages, I forget what the limit is, but once you hit a certain number of likes, you can no longer change your page mm-hmm. title. Oh. For that very reason. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't. I don't because people are people are messed up and would change their Jesus loves people to really terrible, awful thing pages. Kind of makes me want to do that. No, well, no, <laughs> Dave. So you'd have like these churches that are like, oh yeah, we love Jesus too, like, and then it would be something I'm not even going to say because it's just because people are people, and sometimes we do terrible things to each other mm-hmm. for reasons. Yes. So, anyways, that was a. Uh, what would you change your Twitter Twitter handle to? Well, I was just thinking something along the lines of who I am versus my 1080 HBO. So, mm. but all the Dave Hogues, David. I think David J Hogue is available. Oh, that's very professional sounding. Yeah. Or I could go with D John Hogue. I didn't know what your middle name was. <laughs> Actually, I think I did. I just forgot. Can I call you D John? Like D John Mustard? <laughs> or I might change it to DeJoho. <laughs> Would that be your rap name? DeJoho. <laughs> or Deho. <laughs> oh boy. This is Deho. So. Have I ever told you what my rap name would be? No. Really? <laughs> Not that I recall. Oh, you'd remember. <laughs> if I was a rapper. Barring any copyright infringement, I would be Nilla Wafer. Nilla Wafer. Mm-hmm. Because mm. they taste good. <laughs> everyone likes Nilla Wafers, Dave. So everyone would like me. Does everyone like Nilla Wafers? Show me someone who doesn't like Nilla Wafers, and I'll show you a real not nice person. Hmm. I think everybody probably does like are those like a common thing? I feel like they were common when I was a kid. Nilla wafers. Well, I think Nilla wafers is the. It's the, the yeah. Is that's the why I said. That's why that. I said barring copyright infringement. So you could actually call yourself Vanilla Wafer. No, but that would be like <laughs> way too obvious. I was pulling a vanilla ice and just being more clever than he was. Although I am, I am, I had vanilla ice stripes in my hair when I was a kid. Those little lines oh. right by the ear. I also had MC Hammer pants because the thug life doesn't choose, or you don't choose a thug life, Dave. It chooses you. I butchered that. Yeah. Oh, that's two weeks in a row where I've said the exact opposite of what I meant to say. That happens. I don't want it to, though. We're supposed to be professional podcasters, Dave. I'm going to have you do the Bart Simpson and say things over and over again on the chalkboard. Oh, I thought you meant the crank calls. No. It's your refrigerator running. <laughs> Better catch it. I have a special announcement, Dave. Oh. This week, we had yet another brave soul support ah, us on Patreon. Yes. Very exciting. Which is super exciting because uh, this person happens to also be my sister, Katie. Hi, Katie. Hi, Katie. Thank you. And... uh she is our first patron that decided to go with the Slack reward. So she is now a part of the Super Megacorp Slack group. So which, we're actually going to have to do something. Hey, we <laughs> just because you haven't been using it, Nick and Martin and I have been using oh, it for like the last week or two. Yeah. Me and Martin have been scheduling all of our college football articles on Patreon or on uh, Slack and Nick and I have been discussing Mendoza line stuff. Okay. Which by the way, we just released our winter meeting special episode. So we'll have a link in the show notes if I remember to do that. Um, but anyways, back to Katie. Um, 
she sponsored us on Patreon, which means that she gives us money to do what we do, which is super cool. And we're super happy. And we now have two patrons. And I think that's super awesome. There's a lot of people out there that have like 100,000 patrons. We're not going for that. I mean, if 100,000 people want to give us money, I'm not going to say no. But that wasn't really our intent. Our intent was to build this really small, hopefully very tight-knit group of people based on what we do with our articles and our podcasts. That would be cool. We're not looking to take over the world. The Super Megacorp name is intentionally tongue-in-cheek. <laughs> we are not super nor mega nor are we a corporation. We're just a bunch of... Not a bunch. We're, we're a not few, even a we're, bunch. We're a few people <laughs> that make these articles and these podcasts. So Super Megacorp by itself is just a very tongue-in-cheek name. Yes. Uh, so Katie, thank you. Um, if anyone wants to join Katie and Wilby, our very first patron, who <laughs> shall forever live in fame, uh, Wilby is Dave's son. So we're keeping it in the family. Here. Yeah. Um, but if we ever wanted to, you know, break it out of the family, you can find us at patreon.com slash super megacorp, where monthly rewards start at $1. One whole dollar. Yes. Not even like a Canadian dollar or a peso or a ruble or a Ethiopian bird, Dave. Just one American dollar. Awesome. The only reason I know Ethiopian burr is that is because I went to Ethiopia. The exchange rate is like 17 to 1. They don't even exchange Haitian money. They just give it to you? They won't. They won't. They, like in America, they won't. Oh, because. <laughs> so you just eat that cost? Uh, or how they, you... they would rather have your American dollars. Oh, down in Haiti? Yeah. Oh, okay. So they'd much rather have the dollar than the good. Mm. So, yeah. All right. Well, I think that's all of the business. Shall we get to why we actually came here? Sounds good. All right. We are in Matthew chapter 24. We're going we're gonna to read the first. 14? Yep. And then we'll uh, dive right in. Take it away, sir. All right. Jesus left the temple and was going away when his disciples came to point out to him the buildings of the temple. But he answered them, You see all these, do you not? Truly I say to you, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. As he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be families and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of the birth pains. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will increase, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. All right. Thank you, sir. Mm Mm-hmm. Let's dive in, shall we? Absolutely. All right, so Jesus left the temple and was going away when mm-hmm. his disciples came to point to point out to him the buildings of the temple. 
as if he didn't see them. Uh, <laughs> like I feel like I'm nitpicking here, but they were at the temple. They left it. They were going away, and they're like, "Oh, hey Jesus, look, there's there's the temple. Did you see the temple?" <laughs> I'm like, "Yeah, we were just there, guys." I like, I I mean, I'm being silly, but it it would be like me leaving your house and being like, "Hey Dave, look behind you. There's your house where you live." <laughs> Yeah, that is Seems silly. But he answered them, You see all these, do you not? Mm -hmm. Truly, I say to you, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. Yes. That is uh, sad. Mm -hmm. So what what do we suppose? I mean, is he talking about the physical destruction in the temple? Is he... Perhaps alluding to something else. Uh, what's what's going on here in your uh, estimation? Uh, you know, um, many times when Jesus refers to the temple uh, in Scripture, he is referring uh, to his own body, and I'm I'm kind of processing a little bit of not exactly sure how I came to this belief, but. Uh, with the fact that he says there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down, I have always um, believed, or I guess I shouldn't say always, um, in my adult life of being a reader of the Bible, have uh, subscribed to the temple being destroyed in 70 AD, and that that's what he was referring to here. Um, but I don't know, um, how much I'm willing, uh, to, uh, actually defend that or argue my position. I think this is one of those things that, you know, why we're here and why we're doing this is to challenge what we believe and really study it, you know, take a look at what Jesus said and may or may not arrive at some conclusions, but, um, so yeah, that's I guess that's kind of my initial take on the reference to the the temple in this verse. Yeah, I would uh I would agree that he is talking in this instance specifically about the actual physical building of the temple um because there is another spot where he's going to say, you know, destroy this temple in 3 days I will uh build it again or, or roughly something like that. And I think in that instance he's obviously <clears throat> talking about himself as Mm -hmm. the temple, the embodiment of uh, the presence of God on the planet, which is what the temple was supposed to be and was for a long time until he came. But, you know, in this passage, he's saying, you see all of these, do you not like pointing at the the temple buildings? Mm -hmm. Truly, I say to you, there will not be here one stone upon another uh, that won't be thrown down. And so I would agree that in this instance, it's very easy whenever Jesus is talking about the temple to be like, oh, he's talking about himself and the resurrection, which which I get. But here, there does not seem to be any reference mm-hmm. to that. He's there saying, hey, look at these buildings. And he's saying, yes, those buildings you're talking about, they will be destroyed. So I think that, yeah, in this, in this instance, instance, if I can speak correctly, uh, he's definitely talking about the actual building of the the temple itself and not his uh, 
you know, physical manifestation or representation mm-hmm. of the temple and what it represents to the people. So my question is, why do they bring it up? And then what is significant about him telling them that the temple's going to be destroyed? Because this this portion right here, these just few these two verses, is completely transitory in this in this story, right? We go from all of these woes and Jerusalem and Pharisees and blah 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 to hey, the temple's gonna be destroyed, and now let's talk about the end of the ages. So how does this section serve? What what is his point? Why is he telling him this? And then what should we care about it? I and I may, you know, I may be a, a bit simplistic in my answer on this. Um, it, well, because there's a couple different things, and I and I realize that these, the titles that are put, um, into the Bible. Uh, Jesus foretells destruction of the temple and signs of the end of the age were put there later. Uh, the fact that we are talking about Matthew 24 verses 1 and 2 right now were put in later. You know, those were not originally in there. But in these in these two fir- the first two verses, he, he's talking about a very concrete uh, deal. And then in verses 3 through 14, it's it's more about the signs of the end of the age. And, um, like I said, it, it may be a bit simplistic, but to me, there's kind of an element of when you, and I, I'd never really thought about it when you said this before about his disciples saying, you know, look at the buildings of the temple. And to me, there's just this element of just Jesus kind of going, yeah, and that stuff is finite. Like that's huh. like, that's not going to last. Okay. I didn't even consider it. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. <laughs> well, and I don't, I don't know that it's right. No, but I mean, his response is, yeah, and guess what? All of that, it's going to be destroyed. Mm-hmm. Which is almost him saying, like, focus on what's important. Yeah. Which I... It's one, one of the many things I enjoy about this podcast, Dave, and our, <laughs> and our friendship, frankly, is oh, that yeah. while we agree a lot... You think about this stuff very differently than I do. Like I never would have read that and gone, "Oh yeah, the temple's finite." Like no, I got caught up in the who is it? Him talking about like I just appreciate because I would never have thought of that. And you said it, I was like, "Oh duh." So, anyways, yeah, and again, um, I you know because because. One of the things that we've mentioned before is is what is what is happening around what you're reading because while the chapters and the verses that were put in there they weren't originally there, and so um, you know there was definitely earlier discussion about you know you you swear by the gold of the temple versus the temple and and you do this and so um. I kind of lost my train of thought here a little bit, but well, I I feel like I know where you're going. Let me hop on the train, and if I take it the wrong way, let me know. 
you bring up the, you swear by, uh, you know, it's okay to swear by the temple, but it's not okay to swear by the gold of the temple. It's okay mm-hmm. to swear by the altar, but it's not okay to swear by what's sacrificed on the altar. And Jesus is like, you've got it absolutely backwards. They've got their, you know, um, their view of the temple is totally messed up. And then Jesus is saying, oh yeah, as we're leaving, that's all going to crumble. Which I think is like the final, not like woe to the Pharisees, but the final statement of here are the 95, not 95 theses, the 95 things that you've done wrong that I'm calling you out on in, in chapter 23. And as we're leaving, oh yeah, by the way, that whole structure and what it represents, i.e. the priesthood, the sacrificial system, the... Uh, uh, what did he refer to it when he turned the tables over the uh, house of robbers or mm-hmm. that whole Dead of robbers? Yeah, exactly. That whole thing is crumbling down because something new and something far more permanent is here in me. Yeah. So to your point of focus, that's finite. Yes. Focus on Jesus. Yes. But at the same point, it is symbolic of him addressing the establishment Mm-hmm. And saying, here's what God intended. Here's how you have screwed it up. Oh, by the way, this whole thing is getting shut down. And yeah. we've got, you know, yeah. the next phase, as it were, yeah. is about to start. Yep. And and I, I remember a little bit of what I was going to say, just in addition to that. Again, it was just sort of this, kind of the disciples missing the point again. Again. Uh, we just, you know, we're talking about all this and, you know, he's, you know, he really doesn't, in chapter 23, you know, he doesn't say that you shouldn't, like, there's definitely some importance to the temple in, in verse 23 and what he's saying. It's just your focus is wrong in terms of uh, swearing by the gold versus gold. And I feel oh, like absolutely. the disciples are kind of in this mode of like, oh, yeah, hey, you know, there it is. There's, you know, and just being like, no, this isn't even going to last. This isn't what I'm talking about. Because then in verse 3, the disciples do come to him privately saying, hey, give us the inside scoop. Tell us what's going to happen. So. No, I, I, think, I think you're spot on of like, yeah, he emphasized the importance of the temple over the gold of the temple. And then the disciples latch onto that and he just, oh, guys, come on. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. understand the context, understand who I'm talking to, understand who you've been with for, you know, the last However long it's been at this point, I would venture to say about two to two and a half years at this point, based on how close we are to the, uh, the you know, the garden and the trial and the crucifixion. Um, but, yeah, you just kind of wonder sometimes if he just didn't just stop and just, like, rub <laughs> his temples and just say, oh, you know, <laughs> Help, who I would say help me Jesus. I would assume he would say like help me father. Help me father. <laughs> yes. Or did he say help me Jesus just to be funny? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> Although I wouldn't put it past him. Yeah, well. Hopefully he does stand up in heaven. That would be fun. And then there's one time <laughs> I raised a guy from the dead. <laughs> And they came through the ceiling. (laughs) Oh, man. Anyways. All right, moving on. So, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, tell us, when will these things be? 
I'm assuming referring to the temple being destroyed. And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Okay. This is interesting. Mm-hmm. These things is plural in English. I don't know if it's in Greek. I don't have the Greek in front of me, and it's been a long time since I took Greek. So if I had it in front of me, I probably couldn't tell you. Uh, what will be the sign of your coming? That I find very interesting. Mm-hmm. And what will be the sign? Uh, sorry, in, uh, in the end of the age. So mm-hmm. what is, what will these things be? How do they know he's coming if he hasn't left yet and they don't know anything about that? And how are we at the end of the age all of a sudden? I feel like we just jumped like nine chapters ahead in the span of a verse. And I don't know if I'm, you know, jumping to conclusions here based on the loaded terms that are in here. Uh But all of a sudden it just seems like, and we fast forwarded. I would agree, um, particularly with the whole um, what would be the sign of your coming and the end of the age. It, it, I'm with you in terms of I'm not sure they're totally on board that he's going to die and be resurrected. Oh, they don't even and, know that's going to happen as he's dying. Mm-hmm. Like That is a total curveball as far as you know story is concerned, which is why I find this... Now, the other option here is that they want to know when the temple is being destroyed and what will be the sign of your coming, i.e. what we've seen, I think, throughout their uh, time together is their assumption that he is going to take political power. So the, uh, the, the, um, the sign of your coming would be when are you going to come to power? When are you finally going to overthrow the government when are we finally going to get the end of the maccabean revolution that happened a couple hundred years ago when are the jews finally going to be able to stand and have the rightful king that they've always wanted Mm -hmm. and by the way that will enter in or usher in the end of the age when everything will be good with god that that to me i think is the only option that I can think of that makes sense because as you said they have no idea that he's going to die they have no idea that he's going to be raised from the dead and they have no idea that the kingdom of God is going to be completely different than they expected otherwise the Maccabean revolution never would have happened and uh, frankly Judaism still wouldn't be a thing Mm -hmm. if the Jewish leaders understood what's going on and I don't mean that as a slight to Jewish people I don't but there is a fundamental difference in how we understand Jesus that sep- that that differentiates Jewish belief from Christian belief, mm-hmm. and I have to believe that that is what they're talking about here. Uh, I'm I'm willing to be convinced otherwise, but based on in the options I see for the sign of your coming, it's either the the second coming of Christ, which they know nothing about or the coming to power that they've been hopeful for. And if you fast forward in Matthew, uh, you see the triumphal entry where they're laying down the palms, singing Hosanna, and he's mm-hmm. going on the donkey, which, you know, unbeknownst to a lot of modern people, is actually a sign of power. Right. That is, I mean, that is a political statement. But, well, it's a political statement to the people. It's not one by Jesus because he is, 
he's stating, you know, I am, I am the true power. I am, I'm the king. And then they obviously all turn on him and have him crucified and, and all that sort of stuff. But it's just, this is, I did, when you first read it, I didn't quite, uh, come, um, to grips with the sign of your coming in the end of the ages. That's, Cause those are loaded terms. I mean, then you get into all of like, you know, revelation and, and all of the, uh, you know, end times prophecy and that sort of stuff. But yeah, and and so, I mean, but his as I'm reading his answer, I mean, he's he's talking about a significant amount of time in response to their answer. You know, he's saying there will be for many will come in my name, saying I am the Christ. Uh, rumors of wars. Uh, nation rising against nation. And then, you know, verse 8 says, all these are but the beginning of the birth pains. I mean, there's a significant amount of time here that he's describing. So, you know, did they ask the question meaning one thing, and he just was like, again, I'm going to give you much more than you ever wanted. That's what I think. Because I, 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 I don't think they're asking it from a perspective of, death, resurrection, earth still being around 2,000 years later, and a couple of guys in the basement in Kansas talking about this verse, you know? Right, but to your point of does he answer this with more than they're expecting, is does Jesus ever answer a question <laughs> straight? Not really. Like, if I was like, hey, Jesus, do the lions win? He'd be like, well, what is winning? <laughs> and... Do we talk about one game or the entire season or the entire history of the franchise? And mm-hmm. what qualifies as win? I, you ask what seems to be an innocent, short-sighted, um, but normal question of him, and he always gives an answer that goes far beyond what you know you're asking about, but yet still answers your question. Like it's it's freaky how good he is at this. And so I think, yeah, they're asking a very specific, if I'm correct, uh, a very specific pointed question about when do you take over? And the end of the age perhaps isn't the end of the world, like I said earlier, but it's the end of the age of the Roman occupation of the Holy Land, right? When do you take over and when do we get back the land that is ours? When can we kick these foreigners out? When can we finally establish or reestablish the Jewish kingdom of Israel mm-hmm. as God's chosen people? That seems to me to be very likely. Mm-hmm. Now, when Jesus responds, first of all, see that no one leads you astray. Get your crap together. Pay attention. Mm-hmm. Be smart, be earnest, and be insightful about what you are being told, which I think is great because if you do all those things with what Jesus tells you, you'll find the truth. Mm-hmm. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray, and you will hear wars and rumors of wars. Uh, don't be alarmed. This must take place, which is an interesting phrase. Uh, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, as you said, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places, and these are but the beginning. He is, unbeknownst to them, preparing them for what they're never actually going to see. I mean, they may see 
war. They may, and, but I don't even know how many of them actually make it until the temple gets destroyed. I think a lot of them get killed before that. But as to us, you know, living in 2016, which as we joked about before the show is the worst year ever, <laughs> it's really not. And we have seen the beginnings of these birth pains. We have seen nation against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And we have seen all these things that must take place, which I want to come back to. But these are just the beginnings of the birth pains, which I think is a very, uh, especially as a new dad, uh, having witnessed all of that glory, (laughs) uh, a very interesting choice of words. Because you think of all of the work that goes into having a kid, right? Mm -hmm. Not just the conception, but the nine months of pregnancy and preparation and mental and emotional work that goes on to prepare for the child. Then you have the actual time at the hospital where... You're in labor, your body is stretching and doing what it needs to do to to push this human out of your body and all of the pain and the struggle. And then after all of that, the nine months of your body preparing actual labor, which is crazy, then the birthing process, which is all pain and struggle, right? Mm-hmm. There's there's nothing uh fun about birthing a child. But in the end you have a child. Mm-hmm. Which is fun right. and exciting and is new life and is a miracle, right? And so when you put all of this end of time stuff in that perspective uh or in that metaphor it's as if all of this stuff that he's talking about, this pain, these nations against nations, wars, these earthquakes, these famines, all this horrible stuff is leading up to this cataclysmic um, moment in time when the birth pains stop and the birth happens and mm. the new beautiful life comes to existence. Mm-hmm. And that is... That's an interesting way to put it. Yeah, and as I look at these, um, I guess, 14 verses here, um, because we've got a lot more to go with 24, and there's going to be a lot more about, oh, the tribulation and uh, the thousand years and... uh, what was it? A Thief in the Night. That was the 70s movie that was about the rapture. A Thief in the uh, Night. I think you're talking about the Left Behind series with Kirk Cameron. Long before, long before uh, that ever existed was A Thief in the Night. Was it as bad? That's, oh my gosh. <laughs> we have got to find it. Can that be our it's, next It's a Trap episode? <laughs> it, it has to be out there. on Because if it's, if it's not on YouTube... Uh, I will find it because it, it is truly, it was to scare little church kids into praying for Jesus because you did not. And it was made in the seventies, which means now it's laughable, right? Oh, it, it, it is true. Like, and I can't tell you the last time I saw it. I mean, it was probably the mid last week, Dave, mid eighties. So 
So, uh, to me, there's a lot of baggage with all of this. Um, a lot of stuff to unpack. I honestly never did watch any of the Left Behind. I never read any of the books. Um, I will admit I read, like, four of the books. Really? Yeah. And so... I, I guess I'm just I'm having I'm having two thoughts right now that if it leads to more discussion, great, but it's kind of where I feel like I've settled on with these verses is that everything that I've read so far has come to pass. Okay. Um there's gonna be people saying I am the Christ that lead others astray. That has certainly happened. Um David Kresh in Waco, Texas. Uh, you'll hear wars and rumors of wars. Um, we've had two world wars in the last hundred years. Uh, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. I mean, that just seems like it's happening all the time, everywhere. Famines and earthquakes still going on. Um, we'll deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. Um, that was pretty much the fate of the 12 disciples was being put to death. It's still happening. And it still happens. Um, people are hating each other. There's false prophets. Uh, lawlessness will increase. The love will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. So uh, everything that he has said here has, has taken place whether it was a 70-year period after he died and rose again, or whether it's 2,000-plus years since he died and rose again. The other thing I sort of land on is, if I die tomorrow, well, that's I'm in the end times for Dave Hogue, because I die tomorrow. Um, Please don't. I'm hoping not to, but... um. And and I guess that is one of the things for me personally that I've uh, tried to do in terms of living my life is living it with that perspective of any day could be my last day and I should be in relationship with Jesus. The kingdom is present here now. Um, we're preparing for that eternal life that we have with him that comes after our physical uh, bodily death. And so... Um, and then I guess the, so then the final thing for me is, is this is not an essential belief. What you end up believing about quote unquote end times or when the end will come, I don't think is a die on the hill kind of a thing. You mean we're not going to split our podcast network up over if you're pre-mill, A-mill or post-mill? <laughs> yeah. Do they like, even, do they even still do, do those three? Those are the three I know of, but I mean, church denominations oh, have been made sure. over that stuff. Yeah. And so that's kind of my easy answer for now, kind of knowing what I feel like we're about to embark on. And honestly, there's an element of, I I'm probably am going to do a little bit of research over the next few chapters, more so than maybe we, than I've personally done. Here recently, we sat down to do the podcast, but I don't know. Is that 
a cop out tonight? Is that a, a fair place no. to be? Is that yeah? Because here's what we don't need to be: is experts on something that Jesus wasn't an expert on himself. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember the verse, and and maybe you can, but you know, they're asking him, "Well, is it going to happen?" And he's like, "Even this son doesn't know when it's mm-hmm. going to happen." And that passage is troubling in and of itself because how can Jesus not know? <laughs> That, I mean, that poses a huge discussion of how Jesus could not know something, especially if he, the Father, and the Spirit are in such tight relationship. How could he not know? Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like that's an enormous question that we're just going to skate over right now. We'll come back to it uh, and struggle with it then. But that's a problem for Feature Dave and Feature Cam. Yes, and that's verse 36 of this. All right. But concerning the day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, capital S, but the Father only. Yeah, I feel like secrets aren't a thing in heaven, so we're going to have to talk about that. Uh, And that's just going to, I think, be a frustrating conversation. But no, I don't think it's a problem for, for us to be where we're at right now with this, because there's a lot going on here, and there's a lot to consider, and... Yeah, there's, there's a to me there's a lot going on. Um, I you know honestly this is one of those things where on first look I'm like oh let's just skip this let's just skip the tribulation let's skip the one will be taken and the other will be left behind and the son doesn't even know I mean that's really all stuff that I'm like eh, we haven't I could... even gotten to the Antichrist we don't have to go to Revelation for that. <laughs> um, so here's. I guess here's my, I agree with you that a view on the end times is not a major issue. It's not a die in the hill thing. I think it's, frankly, I think if any church has a written, this is how it's going to happen statement on the end time, I think it's laughable. Um, When I was a youth pastor, our church had a written statement in the church. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. This uh, we believe it is, and I can't remember if it was what it was. But we are, you know, for example, we are premillennial, uh, something so, like it was spelled out. And I remember thinking, not even thinking. I remember talking with a senior pastor saying, "I see what you're saying here. Here's how I'm going to handle this. If I ever teach Revelation in youth group, which I didn't." I will teach this with the caveat saying, I do not personally agree with this assessment. Mm-hmm. Is that fair? And he was like, yeah, it's fine. And I think they had it in there just because they wanted to be thorough, but I just, I, I, I don't know the reasons. I wasn't at the church when, when you know, that mm-hmm. document was made and the reasons for it. Um, but I genuinely think if any church can say, this is how it's going to happen, I think you're full of it. Because... It's not in the Bible of how it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's just not. And so I think for us to land on, you know what? It's not a, it's not a uh, you know, major uh, issue. It's not something that we're going to die on the hill for. I think that's totally fine. And it's not a cop-out because it's not like we're saying, Jesus is the Son of God. Yeah, let's, let's wait and see what the jury says. Like, no, that's stated in Scripture over and over again as something that is true. Mm-hmm. This is not something that's ever stated as this is how it's going to happen. Yeah. So I've got no problem with that. And if people disagree with us, let us know. 
we are open to discussion on this. Well, and I, and I guess that's my thing is is I know there are many people who I do agree with, or there are many people not who I agree with. There are many people who I respect who have opposing views on this, mm-hmm. and they're way smarter than I. And that's I am. totally okay. Yeah, but we do want to hear your views on this because why not? Discussion is good. Yes. And in a day and age where people can't have discussions with people that they don't agree with, <laughs> we want this to be a place where people who disagree can have conversations and at the end of the day, still actually like each other. That is okay. Just because Dave and I tend to agree on stuff doesn't mean that our listeners have to and doesn't mean that our listeners should not push back and say, hey, have you thought about it from this point of view? Because chances are Dave has and I haven't. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. Uh, yeah. And, and I, I think ultimately too, um, uh, which we, we kind of talk about this a little bit, but I, I think for me, this is one of those topics I've just truly avoided coming to any sort of, this is what I believe. And so I don't know that I'll arrive there in the next week or two, but there's this part of me that's like, Hmm, maybe it's time I put the big boy pants on and, sat down and sort of looked at this and prayed about it and just, you know, and maybe on the other side, I'm going to be at the same place and just go, nobody knows. I don't care. It doesn't matter because if I die tomorrow, I I mean, the day that I die is my end times. Yeah. And I was going to say this earlier and I decided against it, but I'm going to say it now and then maybe we can, you know, send this episode off into the sunset. Um, is this whole description of the end days, as you said, like this has all happened and what, and this is a weird theory and, you know, but to your point, what if it is always the end days because people are always dying. Now, eventually Jesus is going to have to come back and that will mark the, you know, the real end days. But, for all, you know, because there's always like, oh, Donald Trump got elected, it's the end days. Oh, the European Union happened, it's the end days. Oh, World War II is happening, it's the end days, right? Like, there's all, there's always things happening in the world that are convincing certain people that the end is near, and I feel like the end is always near for a portion of the population, right? People die, what? How many times a second? And it's just staggering when you figure out the number of how many people die every second across the planet. Um, And it's also equally staggering is how many people are born every second. Right. It's just the turnover is insane. Um, But my, my theory here is like, okay, God operates outside of time. That's, I would agree that I think there's an element of that too. So what does end times mean for someone who operates outside of time? Mm Mm-hmm. And so is it like a staggered thing where the end times are consistently occurring for us because time for us is a very linear, you know, grain in the sand on the beach of, you know, God's existence. But for us, that's very significant. Whereas for him, it would be totally different. Mm-hmm. And so the end times for him, you know, but who knows how he views time? I don't know. I haven't been able to ask him that yet. And maybe when we're in heaven, I eternal life be- means we are with him outside of time. And that's why it's, eter- I, I, I don't know how this all works. Um, I'm not a theoretical physicist. I don't, you know, have special knowledge. I don't have a secret prayer tongue that God tells me all these secrets in. I haven't made my own book in a language only I can read. <laughs> that was a low blow. I'm sorry. Um, 
but my point is like, I think it is not a cop out to say we don't know. I think that we are messing and um, trying to make sense of stuff that we cannot understand when it comes to how God operates in time. Right. I think that is totally legitimate. And it's not a lack of science. It's not a lack of wanting to find the answers. It's not spiritual laziness. It's not using God as a crutch. It is legitimately nobody can know when this is going to happen. That is a fact. Empirical, scientific, theological, whatever tag you want to put on it, nobody can possibly know this. Mm-hmm. And so for me to say, you know what, I'm not pre-mill, a-mill, post-mill, I think it's dumb if churches are, I think that's a fair stance to have. Now, if you want to have a stance on it because you've done your research and that's what you feel like, that's fine. But splitting denominations over how you view the end times to me is ridiculous. Well, and I think there are those out there that they're, that, that the church exists based on focusing on the end times. Like they're not the they're consumed by prophecy and this sign and that sign, which, again, for as many of the things that Jesus mentioned have come true, in my very short little blip on this earth, there's really been none in terms of prophets that have come true. You know, these, and maybe I should say, um, not a prophet speaking within the context of his church. But these people that uh, publicly want to decla- declare that you know that the world is going to end on, on January twenty fourth at eleven o two p.m. Well, I think Central. it was. I think it was actually December twentieth, twenty twelve, was the big one with the Mayan calendar. Mm-hmm. You know, there was just there's been a lot of those sorts of things that. Um, I, I'm I'm a bit skeptical of anybody that claims to be a prophet in this day and age, in terms of predicting end times or major events. I do believe that prophecy still exists within the church in its proper context. Yeah, of revealing not, the truth of God to his people. And not a word to non-Christians in terms of when the end of the world is going to yep. be. There hasn't been a repent for the end is near kind of a deal. All right. Are we there? <laughs> yeah. We have arrived at the end of our journey. That was a good one. Yeah, that I I did not expect to get all <laughs> end timesy there. Nor yeah. nor did I think I would bring up Kirk Cameron ever on this podcast. I I will say this: say what you will about the movies, and I've never seen a single one of his movies. I've never even seen like Courage or what are the other ones? He was like, he, is he in every bad Christian movie? Oh yeah, like he's like a firefighter, or a police officer. It's, like, yeah, firefighter. No, that's fireproof. Courage is something else. I think Courage is a police officer. Maybe he's not even in that one. Anyway, I say what you will. I respect the guy. He's continued to remain strong to his faith. No, yeah, yeah. In a very difficult culture I just can't believe he's in every bad Christian movie. But he is is that cheesy Christian guy. Him and uh, who's Bible Man from... Can't think of his name now. Anyway, we'll remember that for... Bible. I don't even know who Bible Man is. Bible Man... He was one of the kids on uh, Eight is Enough back in the day. I've never even heard of that show. And, yeah. And on that note, yeah, we'll say goodbye. <laughs>